Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about railroading. All right, crack knuckles, let's do this. Railroading is a hotly debated topic in the Dungeons and Dragons community, and this is a topic in which Nathan and I are diametrically opposed to one another. So before we actually dive fully into things, let me go ahead and just toss to you, Nathan. The hell are we talking about? Okay, so this is what railroading is. Railroading is where a DM has a certain um, plot or certain story that storyline that they want to go down and if the player is trying to take a different route the the dm will basically nudge them or sometimes just turn them straight up <laughs> towards the goal that the dm is go heading towards is that a good Indeed. explanation yeah so another way to put it is that this is yet another dming category that is a spectrum between linear storytelling and sandbox so the farther extreme is where there is the story that the DM wants to tell. And then on the opposite end, you have where the DM just has the setting knowledge and then just does not give their players any direction whatsoever and just has them wander as they will. And those two points are Nathan and me. Yes. So. Okay. Uh, oh, go ahead. Okay. So let me take an example first off so what i did recently that actually was the influence of this topic was during a recent episode of riffway where remy didn't want to play um basically have anything to do with the character got trained and insistent like basically insisted on staying away from him the big issue here was that trey was supposed to be a character that i was trying to get the party to follow so that he would be able to exposit certain details and take them through certain routes that the party wouldn't have known about without going with him. And that basically brings us to the issue. I decided to, when when the party ignored Trey, to have an encounter with the people Trey was bringing food to so that the party would end up having to talk and interact with Trey properly. And that is basically a way that I got the party to end up down the route that I planned in the first place. So, minor quibble, it was not just me who did not want to talk to this guy. The entire party yes. just did not care about this character's existence whatsoever. So, the railroad side of the argument then is, this is a character that had information that Nathan as the Dungeon Master believed the party needed. But we as the party just did not care. So this is where the actual debate can begin. Do you as a DM want to force the interaction with the existing character? Or do you come up with an alternate plan to get the information to your characters? So before I do go on any Remy rants about this, actually, let me also just do the more zoomed out explanation a little bit more. So I mentioned that I am very much a sandbox DM at the far extreme side of things, and I am, but that 
doesn't mean that I hate the idea of having a more linear type of story. So something to keep in mind is that, yes, that is just not my style of DMing Dungeons and Dragons, but that does not mean that it is a type of story that I dislike. The vast majority of video games are linear storytelling. There is just the game that you play through, and that's that. Maybe you'll have something a little bit more in the middle of the spectrum, like a Bethesda game, where you'll have, you know, three or five potential branching paths and stories that you can explore throughout your gameplay. But for the most part, video games just are a story, and that's fine. It is totally fine to enjoy a linear story. I'm simply saying that in Dungeons and Dragons, a world built around, for the most part, high magic fantasy storytelling, that my personal preference is much more to the far side of the spectrum to have the more open world. So here's my stance um, in regards to railroading is that the reason why I feel it's okay, I, I here's the thing, I personally feel like optimally you would want to go for a sandbox approach. However, is there's often um, certain times and moments where you aren't prepared to do that. And in my in my case, I wasn't. And in some cases, you can't. So in my case is that if the party was to head straight to handhold, I didn't really have much planned if they went straight there. However, if they had the thing with Trey, I would be able to allow them to check out a different, more scenic route. On top of that, there's what Remy said about video games, which is since I am a, I, I've basically found D&D from video games and me myself being someone who is trying to make a career of it. Well, obviously it makes me more biased towards more linear forms of storytelling and how I can do things with a more linear standpoint. Indeed. And also just one additional tangent on the tangent, just to make clear. Both Nathan and I do have completely opposed opinions on our preferred methods of storytelling. This is not a situation where one of us is correct or the other one is wrong. It is simply a preference of storytelling style. However, there is a point, at least in my opinion, and this is a hotly debated topic, honestly, just a lot. Uh, is railroading a bad thing at all? And that is more the angle that we want to really focus on, because if we allow me to just talk about how awesome sandbox DMing is, then I'll just rant on for, oh, what, 80 episodes? What are we on now? 82. <laughs> so um, let me just preference. put it forward. This is the largest pro of using railroad, especially if it's ex executed properly. So here's the thing. That one instance and that one example of railroading that was shown is a bad example because I did it poorly because I wasn't prepared. So what happened is it was very clear that the party didn't want to go down that route. However, I basically kind of almost like basically it was very clear that I forced him down that path. So good railroading, on the other hand, is where imagine you have a plan and you have a goal in mind. So this is one, why, what I normally do. And which is why it hasn't really been an issue thus far, is you have a goal on what you want to reach. And then you have a multitude of paths that you have taken into consideration. And when the party devi deviates as they will, essentially, will. yeah, and, and you will, <laughs> essentially have your pick of all the paths that you have 
and take the one that's closest to what they're currently doing or at that moment decide on what would be a good new path that you could come up with that would lead them to the conclusion that you're going for. And this is how I've typically done things where the party does a thing and I react. What is the conclusion that I'm going for? What can I make them get there? And then I on the fly change it. So that's typically what I do. And honestly, I don't I don't know if uh, the party has really noticed that until that point where I made that um, one uh, really poor example of uh, like that really obvious example of railroading during that one episode. But it's essentially how I've been running the show thus far. And generally, I feel like it's given at certain points of the story and the show a bit more of a impact than there's certain things I got to show that I might not have been able to without using this method of DMing. And that's how I stand, basically. And that's fair enough. So obviously, I like Meme Sim Sandbox DMing. But the problem with that is the fact that because of the fact that it is total open world, that does not give players, players any kind of direction. So the question that a DM wants to ask themselves when they're planning out a campaign is what kind of story do you want? So if you want to have a particular story to tell, then sandbox style does not work. The big benefit of sandbox is that players can decide, I'm not interested in this thing. I just want to walk two days northeast what's there. And I have an answer for that. But to actually have a quest, a task, like the more typical D&D style of game is that more linear storytelling. So the real difficulty is just that where is that particular line where you do cross from linear storytelling into railroading? And that is unfortunately a question that actually does not have a definitive answer because different people just have different opinions on how much is too much direction. And one example I can give on that. So I've played D&D with some military guys before, and part of their training just is that directions are to be repeated ad infinitum to emphasize the point of the instruction. And so if you have a military trained DM, it is actually a pretty common thing that as that type of DM, they will just give the instruction multiple times. So they will say, hey, you know, there's this thing. Hey, you know that thing? Here's another thing related to the thing. Hey, you know that thing? The thing, the thing is important. Go after the <laughs> thing. What is taking you so long to go after the thing? So, <laughs> okay, that was obviously a, a little bit exaggerated, but that was actually based on a true story, just slightly exaggerated. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make, though, is that just because someone thinks that you have to repeat a point for emphasis' sake to be sure that the person that you're talking to understands that, hey, this thing is important, there is also just that fine line to walk, uh, or less fine in some cases, sometimes it is a little bit more blunt, of just finding what is that balance of the players following the DM's story versus the DM actually taking away player choice. And that is where I feel the line is most important. A DM can very well tell a story 
that as long as they are involving the players and using the players' choices as a foil for the story that he's telling with us, not to us. So actually, come to think of the- it, that that's actually leads into one of the major points is that when it really comes down to it, um, as someone who does railroad to some extent from time to time, I can give you an explanation or reasoning why, though uh, it may be flawed. Why at certain points, especially when I do it poorly, railroading can seem very bad because it removes player choice. It's simply a case where between choices, there's one that is by far the more interesting route and I by far have more content for. So for example, in the trade case, I had nothing else in the bank. So I I didn't have anything else. So if you did not take the trade route, it meant that there was nothing and everything past that point would just be, I would skip the entire travel bit, you would be in hand to hold. So by that logic, it would have been infinitely better to go with the trail route, despite the fact that the party wasn't interested, because you would get all the narration and the connections that this character would bring. Though the party did not enjoy the character, and they still don't. They find him to be <laughs> annoying. <laughs> and so, the thing is, when it comes down to it, railroading really is kind of a fallback. And by by that, I mean obvious railroading is a accident and a fallback for someone who typically prefers to do DMing from the inside-out perspective. Because as an inside-out DM, since I take so long to write and come up with unique concepts or locations, it means that if I do not have the time or I do not have you going by a more specific path, it can result in the location that you end up in having less of a being less grounded compared to the other places that you've been to. One such example of which is where you went to several and I basically had very little stuff to say about it. The thing the thing about several is that by sheer epiphany, I managed to come up with a relatively grounded, though not entirely unique, location where it had a sort of woody vibe going about it. Well, it's more about oh, craftsmanship and uh, working the woods. And that's basically the issue here is that if you went to Handhold at that point, I did not have a unique image of Handhold as opposed to the gargantuan monument that Handhold is now. And that's a, actually a big thing that more outside Indians may not notice since you already have a... Because you, you think you paint with a wider brush. So you get all the general details of places down and henceforth it's much more free for you to okay you can go there you can go there you can go there as for me if somebody just went straight to the orcs right now just like okay let's start this thing and head to the orcs i'd be like fuck i don't know what to do and that's essentially the issue here i cannot handle a moment where somebody stops the stops and says you know that thing i want to do that thing instead i can't do that because i Imagine this, you're in a video game, you point at something, there is no world there. It is just blank, flat map. <laughs> that's essentially what's going on. And that's the result of, that. that's the cause of railroading in general. It's where, I, I mean, in my opinion anyways, there is typically less or nothing where you choose to go, where the, as opposed to where the DM has, what the DM has in mind. So I would say in my own um, use of it, Railroading has definitely been a case of I do not have all the time and the way I DM does not allow for me to produce tons of um, different location stuff beforehand. Hence off, 
it means that railroading is something I have to fall back on. And obvious railroading is something that I have to fall back on when I fail to meet the the um basic thing that you need to make railroading or railroading not so railroady where you have enough options that you can at the very least have a semblance of choice for the player, which is what video games typically do. Is you're supposed to give the impression that the player has choice. And this allows the player to be like, shit, my choices matter. And to some extent, you do have a bit more control when doing it in D&D, where you can adjust the end plot slightly or with every session. And that's the, the thing. It's all about different levels and it's all about execution. So when it really comes down to it, it's about bad railroading and carefully managed um, linear storytelling, essentially. Well put. Thank you, Nathan. So another way that I would put that, though, is that, that as you said, that balance between linear storytelling and railroading, the difference between the two, once again, is player choice. So if you as the DM take away player's choice in a matter is where things can become problematic. So just another just flat out type of example I'll throw out. Let's say that there is a mountain that the players need to traverse and you tell them that, ah, yes, there's this shortcut that your character uh, knows about because they rolled really well on their history check. So they have read up on this at some point. And then, you know, that like, awesome, well done. They did good on their skill check. So they have this thing. And then you go up to this shortcut and find out, oh, there was a cave in in this tunnel. You can't actually go this way. That's just being a dick for no good reason, because you're taking away a what should have been net gain to that player character. So them using their abilities and doing well on a check to then just take away the choice for from the player perspective no good reason it's entirely possible that you as the dm intend for that to be a plot point of uh oh yes these mountains are very treacherous you know cave-ins rock slides happen but this is where the fine line comes back into effect of as the dm the difficulty of telling that type of story moment is just do you clearly enough explain to the players that the thing you're doing is a plot point or does it appear whether or not it actually is but does it appear and here's the thing that you as the dm are taking away choice and here's the thing looking at that example that you gave me that's actually a really good example because here's the thing is that that's railroading however if the dm were to be like the plague reaches a point it's perfectly clear or before they reach that point they have an incident with such thing as the uh, round being treacherous and they arrive at that point. And while they are doing something at that point, something that they do results in a cave-in or something that they fight results in the cave-in. That would not be seen as railroading. That would be a result of their actions as opposed to be, I gave you something, I just took it away. And that's basically really, really shows what railroading is. It's just badly executed linear storytelling. Exactly. So that will lead us in then to how do you deal with railroading? So if you are a player character in a game and you are annoyed that your DM constantly just seems to be railroading you all in a very specific direction, how do you actually deal with that situation? Especially if you're playing remotely and can't just smack your DM, hey, cut it out. So (laughs) just kidding, Nathan, I love (laughs) you. (laughs) <laughs> but no, seriously, though, no. 
<laughs> no, honestly, the best way is just what Nathan and I have done and are doing quite literally now, which is to just have a conversation on the topic. Here's what it feels like you're doing. Here's how I feel about this. Here's how my character feels about this. And to just get it out in the open, because letting any type of wound fester is just not a good idea. So to just be open, just players to your DM, DM to your players. If you are asked, hey, why did you do things that way? And, you know, Nathan just flat out said just he wasn't expecting us to not take the bait and just like panicked and kind of shoehorned it in. And that's okay. We're, I'm still going to tease him and give him shit about it because that's just how we interact with one another. But I'm not angry at him over the matter, just exasperated and a bit amused. And that's fine. And anyways, when it really comes down to it, nobody generally speaking, wants to make an experience bad for the other people in the game because we're all here to have fun. And when it really comes down to it, it's just typically comes down to misunderstandings and also just bad execution. Indeed. So with that being said, to summarize, railroading is when you pass past linear storytelling into the point where you are taking away player choice. And the best way to avoid that is through either planning in advance to have multiple options to be able to either just give an, a separate option to have the story result that you want, or to just be really good at improv. That is a skill that is asked a lot of DMs. That's really hard to do, but a useful thing if you are able to pull it off. Or to just admit, this is the thing that I was planning I don't really have a great backup plan. Please just take the bait so we can move on. And when it comes down to it, there have been cases where I've been able to improv my way out of situations. And yet again, situations where I have not been. And that's it. Fuck, I can't end shit. Thank you very much. I'm just going to edit that out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riffwakepodcast. Two stars loads a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Support us to get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, where we chat with cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at riffwakepodcast, on Facebook as riffwake, and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash riffwakepodcast. And now send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs, A-N-D, rules, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Beautiful. Perfect ending. <laughs> We're keeping that, that in. I'm not going to say anything. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There we go, boys. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing, right? R&R is a show predicated on presumed, presumed professionalism with occasional lapses. <laughs> You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.